Like I really into this haircut. It's super cute. Thank you. I got to send you some pictures. Last night I did full, full glam, some contour, some eyeshadow, put some heels on. My feet are killing me today. <laughs> of course they are. <laughs> Of course they are. It was nice. It was nice to, you know, like exercise those muscles that I thought like, okay, I've probably lost all of my skill set of like being able to do a full face and just, it's fun sometimes like, you know, buying some new eyeshadows, playing around and, you know, getting glammed up every once in a while feels nice. Not all the time for me personally. Um, it's, it's a lot of work. Like, you know, I always think of just, wow, it is so involved to, you know, just get glammed up and not every day you're in the mood or have that space to give, give your time. But when you do sometimes like, all right, this little different persona kind of brings out. It's fun. You know, I love that. I think that's so true too, because like when it comes to, you know, like, I think there's, like, been this, like, battle between, and I think, like, with any subject where people have opinions, it's, like, you're either on one side or you're on the other side. You're team this or you're team that. And I'm team fresh face most of the time, but I absolutely love a good glam. Like, I can't get too glammed up because I feel like anytime you put too much makeup on my face, now that I'm in my 40s, like, I can look pretty intense pretty quick. And that is just not my vibe, but like, I really love, I love the art form behind it. And I love that, like with a simple palette, you can create like so many different looks on people. And like, you can create these looks for yourself to just like, like you said, take on a different persona for a little bit, which I think is really fun. And I think we should really be like crossing my fingers. People are like normalizing that that is like, like a thing that you do, like, not just I'm team fresh face. So I don't fuck with makeup. Like I'm team, you know, like beat face. So like, you'll never catch me outside without my makeup on. Like, I think what I'm looking yes. for is like a happy medium, right? Like I can, I can do what I got to do when I need to do it, but I can also just like feel comfortable in the skin that I have as a 40, almost five year old woman, which is cool. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. I hear you. I feel like it's like what you're pointing out is, yeah, there's like everything I feel like in the world right now, it's like binary, right? It's like one or the other. And I think probably most of us, you know, we're all, you know, have our days where we're somewhere on that spectrum, but it's not like, you know, you don't have to pick one side. And I feel like it's more of a, like a social norm, right? Like people are used to seeing you a certain way. And sometimes it's more of that interaction of like, oh, you put what, you know, eyeliner on today. And, you know, people just commenting on that, which is, you know, people noticing you changed up your look, which I think is a normal part of, you know, just our existence, especially as women. But it's, it is, um, I feel like it's totally in the range of experimentation, right. Of being one thing one day, another, you know, another day. And both are great. There's not, you know, I don't think anyone has to pick sides to your point. I think we're sometimes, I think maybe in our younger years, I definitely think in my twenties, I felt more of that pressure to just stay in one range, but to your point, like I'm in my late thirties now and during the week, yeah, fresh face, like a little tint here and there, some mascara, you know, but every once in a while, like a night out, why not? Like, you know, got loads of, of supplies, might as well put them to use. And, <laughs> you know, Lord knows that I've looked at plenty of YouTube videos or gone down those, you know, um, I don't want to admit how many hours of, you know, Instagram videos of some of these wonderful celebrity makeup artists and hairdressers and nail artists. And it's like, all right, I took in all that content and learned some new techniques. Let's, let's try it out. And I think that's really fun to just use your own, you know, own face, own hair, 
Um, you know, that's, I think we get to play on our own, our own, you know, canvases, I guess. And that's super fun. I don't know about you, but do you, have you ever had instances where makeup or your hair and you really did not like it? I mean, yes, (laughs) (laughs) for sure. Um, I think anytime someone does my makeup without like really considering, and I think that this is like, I mean, this is another topic for the podcast but in the future here is like, you know, so a lot of times what I do um, is I will work with like fashion shows and I'll run the hair and makeup team. And so I'm really very particular about the stylists and the makeup artists that we work with because we have had challenges where, you know, women with like more cocoa skin are not getting the same um are not getting the same like enhancement of their skin tone that some of the lighter skinned folks are getting. And that to me is like a tragedy. Like that to me, just like, you know, that like a model's got to model through it anyway. Like that's their job. That's their purpose. Like, even if they don't like the look that they're wearing, the hair that they're rocking, the makeup that they're wearing, it should still enhance their beauty. They were chosen for a reason, right? To, to model for this, this fashion designer or to be in a movie or a TV show or whatever on a magazine. And I think that like, there have definitely been times where I have heard makeup artists like speak about they work with all color palettes and then they get to like my skin tone and that's about as deep as they go. And like, let's be very clear. I am like medium to light skin tone. Um, so there's like a whole range of gorgeousness that people miss out on. So just that piece. But then also, I think, you know, we all have our vision of what we want to look like, right? And I think that a lot of times is like influenced by, you know, the beauty that we found as children, right? So like for me, I saw my mom, who's six foot tall Scandinavian white woman with blonde hair, green eyes, and, you know, like, alabaster skin and was like she's the apex of beauty she was like my first like the first person that I ever looked up to as far as like a beauty standard and my mama was fine my mama's still fine but like seriously like she's fine with her roller sets and her like cool like just like beautiful like late 70s early 80s like windblown and like dark lip like classic eyeliner like oh it's a beautiful era yes that style oh good right beautiful and like Mm -hmm. you can see it being like reiterated in the 90s and even now today because it feels like every 20 30 years we kind of like take the influences from the past and we bring them up and so but like when you are a, a brown girl who is like not sure how to make your hair do those things or how to, I mean, obviously I wasn't wearing makeup quite yet, but like I wanted to, I wanted to see that beauty. So one of the things that I really, I mean, and it was so interesting to me because that classic roller set showed up in like all the rest of the women that I thought were super beautiful growing up, like Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. I was obsessed with Wonder Woman. I am. And what I wanted to do all the time was like, I would practice her twirling and she has a very specific twirl. Like she twirls with her shoulders and her body, but keeps her head forward and then whips it around. So her hair flies and it just flies out and it's so like movable and I think for a lot of black girls who who like are 
spoon fed that thought process of like your hair is supposed to move and, sh- and like mm. grow out and long. And like when you're spinning, that was like, it was so painful because my hair didn't do that. So I had this like shawl that I would wrap around my head or like a towel that I would wrap around my head and I would whip that around so that I could get that good Linda Carter flip. Right. Like that was like what I needed was a good Linda Carter flip. And it really like solidified my like desire for like long hair. Like it wasn't about a color for me. It wasn't even necessarily about a texture. It was really, truly like, how do I get my hair long? I want my hair long. Um, and like below my shoulders was long to me. And that was something that I really had a hard time doing because my mom and I didn't have the right products to help my hair be healthy and grow not to mention I mean styling it was like dippity do gels and things until we met Denise who um started being my mom's hairdresser and she was a Greek woman and she tried she learned how to do my hair from other black stylists like went to black stylists and was like I need help I got this young lady I'm working with and and I want to make sure that I'm doing right by her hair but my hair was so different because it's, you know, fine, like baby fine and really coily. It's not coarse and really coily. So there right. was just like, you know, those beauty standards, they be coming in and like making yeah. you not love yourself, making you feel like you're not able to have long hair, make not able to do these things. But I'm so grateful to see that there's like more of those possibilities being like opened up and our beauty standards you know from our childhood have like really expanded so what do you got what's what's, what's one of your first ones I mean you you hit something there that I you know hits close to home about length and you know as a child you know in the you know, Latin community, I feel like with, you know, women and, and little girls, like long hair is the standard, right? Having long hair, having your hair with bows and braids and, you know, just all those adornments. And I think of, you know, when I was probably in junior high, like seventh grade, I feel like that's when I really started, you know, it's when you're, you know, hormonally becoming a woman and whatnot <laughs> and things change, but not only, I think, um, actual hair texture change but you're really looking at whether it's like in in my experience I really looked at you know of course like any influences from movies or music and I remember when J-Lo played Selena in that movie and I was obsessed I mean I would bring the CD to school and you know Selena's beauty and then how J-Lo played her but again it's like you know, sexy, feminine, curvy, you know, then the long hair, super glamorous. I feel like, and I had naturally curly hair at the time living in a really humid environment in South Florida and it was just fighting nature. So I, at that moment, that nineties era of fighting nature or looking at, you know, those teen stars like the Christina Aguilera's or Britney Spears, that was the era I grew up in watching Mickey Mouse Club and these teen stars and <laughs> you know like sure Christina Aguilera has you know Latin descent but we are very different you know I don't look anything like her and seeing those like stick you know lots of flat iron you know like I definitely was frying the hell out of my hair um oh, those bu- those bubble bangs you know like this really rounded I think um Tatiana Ali from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air like you know the hat and you know Blossom all those like I mean I look back like well not probably the best style era you know <laughs> as far as oh. I look back you know uh, but it's coming back now which is is quite scary but um I also 
there was this interesting dynamic of, you know, when I grew up, I feel like the school that I went to, um, I felt like it was a little bit of a social experiment. I think we've talked about this. I think you had a similar upbringing. I went to like a magnet program where, you know, it was for the arts, a lot of artistic kids surrounded by, you know, musicians and painters and, you know, I danced ballet. So I was in that program, but um, we were bused into, you know, predominantly black neighborhoods. So culturally, you know, at, at, at time, I think it was the early nineties. Um, it was this, you know, known tension of, okay, who, you know, what are the, who are the students that, you know, live in this area that know each other. And then here are, you know, five, six buses showing up every day from different parts of town with a whole blend of, um, you know, you know, Jewish kids, the Korean kids, the Chinese kids, you know, Cuban, Dominican, Jamaican, like all of us just like thrown together as this like social experiment with, with this whole artistic element. Um, and I remember, you know, being asked, you either had to be into like rock music or hip hop, right? Like you could not like talk about binary, right? So God forbid you actually like Nirvana and Tupac. You couldn't say mm-hmm. that in school, right? No, you didn't. <laughs> you had to pick one, Marcy. You had to pick one. And me and my girlfriends, you know, we, we were on the hip hop side. Like, we, you know, we were wearing nautica jackets and jenko wide leg jeans and tommy hill figure polos um hair slicked back with tons of gel low ponytail you know scrunched was la looks or depth whatever that yes. product was Oof, those neon tails, girl <laughs> yes dark lip liner doing the whole thing filas um and i had wow. my alan I- my favorite sneaker is my alan iverson i think it was the question the answer i probably not you know into sports to some degree but i probably got that one wrong but it was all about you know emulating and again here i am a latina girl really emulating black culture and at the time you know that was just my surroundings you know and that's it didn't, I didn't think anything of it. It was really, you know, this is cool, you know, and that's where I look back now as an adult and we think about trends and what cultures really set trends. And in my view, my childhood, um, you know, black culture, you know, absolutely. Like that's what made anything cool, you know, and everyone wanted to look like Aaliyah or dress like TLC or, you know, that's, that's really, you know, like what was, you know, trending. And um, I think it was really interesting time of this, like, choose your path. Like, you know, oh, you're, you know, I have a, a friend who's, you know, more fair skin and, you know, her being questioned on her music taste because she's got fair skin. And, you know, how, why do you like Tupac? And like, what do you, how do you identify or connect with the music? But I felt like as kids, like those were things that were just like, just like what you like. Right. And that's what, you know, you know, we ended up dressing. Um, yeah, there's some pretty ridiculous pictures. I probably have a very oversized polos and white leg jeans and sneakers and lots of gel in my hair. Oh, Marcy. I mean, you were, well, you're just describing all my friends. Like that's, uh, you were just describing, well, to be fair, there was like a, a significant, like a subsect of my friends. So like I was a weird nerdy kid right super into so i was super i actually like did did, like deviated from some of the hip-hop culture like the like like the pop hip-hop culture i definitely was like listening to like more underground like conscious rap you know in those days so i had like that that uh um 
Well, it like started with Arrested Development. Well, actually, let's yes. be fair, like way, way back. It started with like Public Enemy. But okay. then like I wanted to get into some more like music that was still really conscious, still talking about like being you know, like talked about being black and like the black experience, but I wanted something with like a little bit more party to it. So I definitely started moving into those like native tongues and like, you know, um, and, and, and tribe called quest and then arrest oh, yes. development for like my would, would span like everybody because everybody liked that. Cause that was a little bit more poppy, even though it was really like smart and thoughtful and diggable planets and that type of thing. Um, but Oh, Q-tip, I sorry. I just had a moment to myself. Q-tip is one of my, like, I mean, he's also born on my husband's birthday. So I'm like, oh, like, you know, I like to have a little Q-tip at home. Like maybe. <laughs> I love Q-tip and Tribe Pop Quest. So sorry. To oh, <laughs> real, but, like, okay. I had to take a moment there. <laughs> how did we, how we, this is the first time that we have talked about this. Tribe is one of my all-time favorites forever and always. So we're going to have like a tribe listening party. Maybe that's what we should do is we should put together like a little playlist of like all our favorite tribe called quest songs and come up with like a little playlist to go along with all this for, for our people. Um, Cause if you, cause there are people out there who don't know about tribe called quest, like uh, people who are younger than us, people who are younger than us, they just don't know. And they hear these rappers today and they're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's so cool. That's so cool. And like, you forget, like, these are the places that they come from much like hair types and, or excuse me, like beauty standards about like hair and makeup and fashion and all that. Like it all piggybacks on the past and like it is comes from someplace else. Right. But so I loved hip hop, but I also really loved like rock and roll. And I was like in high school in the nineties, like in the early nineties. So grunge was like a huge thing. And a lot of my friends listened to a lot of grunge music. And so I found myself in these, these scenarios where I would be like looking like, you know, like, let me rephrase, not looking like, but like trying to look like, like (laughs) Janet Jackson at the time or, or who else did I really like look up to? Oh, are you kidding me? I was all about Lisa Bonet and that like, like nineties hippie black girl shit. Like that was my all time jam. And let's be very clear. It is still my all time jam. Like I am living that life always. (laughs) Um, She is a timeless beauty. I mean, talk about like beauty goals. I mean, just emanates like timeless, beautiful, fresh face, glowy, all the things that you just, all the things, all the things. things. So obviously comfortable in her skin. So, I mean, like, obviously she's beautiful, but like, there is that energy that comes through that makes it timeless. Like you're saying, like that really just like kicks my butt. But so I would show up to these like super rock shows trying to like emulate, you know, Denise from the, you know, Denise Huxtable from the Cosby show. And it was just this like weird dynamic, but it was always really well received too. But then I would go out to some of the hip hop clubs with my friends and, you know, cause you know, when we were in high school, we could go to like the all ages shows and, you know, being in Minneapolis first Avenue hosted some really incredible, like, like under 21 parties that were like cool and way cooler than I ever thought that I would be at. Um, and so we would go to these like hip hop nights and I would be dressed exactly the same. And that's when I got people being like, what is wrong with this girl? Like, who, who, where is she from? Like, is she lost? Is Cause I was, <laughs> yes, yeah, she totally lost. 
because I wasn't wearing the dark lipstick. I wasn't putting my hair back, but all my friends were. So like, it was, it was, a, it was a really interesting, it was an interesting time to like, try to like figure out style. But again, you know, it's a common theme when I think about it, like being biracial, you just like, you house two different identities in your body and in your soul and in your spirit and like how it comes out. Cause like, yeah, I definitely have, I definitely have not necessarily like a black side and a white side, but like, I definitely have like a classic American black experience side. And then I have a very like straight up Scandinavian Northern Minnesota side. Like it's almost a little bit more specific. So these, these two like ways really like are, were brought into brought into like how I grew up and how I viewed myself in a very different way because I really did, you know, I mean, I, I definitely had the, that there was that Whoopi Goldberg stand up where she talks about her long, beautiful blonde hair and how she used to like wear, you know, I, the kind of similar to what I was talking about before, like where she wore like some sort of towel around her head and she would just, you know, do that. And she just thought it was so great. And I remember like my mom watching that, that stand up and being so distressed because she realized that her daughter was doing the same thing and while it was in the moment harmless in the moment I didn't realize like what I was saying out loud it was that like my beauty wasn't enough like I had Mm. to I had to assimilate and I know that that's something that you and I have talked about quite a bit is that that assimilation piece and like how beauty standards for young girls they start so young like so young all of the things like all I ever wanted when I was a kid like I said was like long hair but like it was where did that come from like how did that like become such an obsession that that it was like I mean hell it's like half the reason I became a hairdresser so I could figure out how to grow my hair longer and I did like it was awesome but those things that we we experience as kids, you know, how do we, how do, how they affect us as as adults is really interesting because you do look back and you're like, ooh, because you said ooh to the '90s, and I was like, I was doing all right in the '90s, and then I was like, oh, but the '80s at that to that same age, like that, like middle school age, mm-hmm. girl, mm-mm. she was yeah, cute because that was like late '80s. Yeah, I think that that age, we don't really know, like you said, like we don't, you know, we're relying on our our parents, our family, like, you know, the budgets are what they are. And, you know, we don't know, you know, what, how to, you know, glam ourselves, style ourselves. So it's, it's that painful learning stage that we all cringe at in those junior high. And I think also, at least for me personally, I remember that's the, the time where you start kind of transitioning from you know, at least in my view, is like, ew, boys, to like, oh, I think that boy is cute in my class, and I'm going to sneak my, I'm going to steal my mom's lipstick and put it in my backpack and put on some lip gloss, you know, between classes, because, you know, I've got a crush on someone, or I'm, you know, trying to you know, fix my hair between, you know, these classes, so I feel like that's like that pivotal era where I think we're so, those formative years, our, our minds are such sponges, and I think, you know, that's mm-hmm. where looking back you know, representation is so important, right? Because what you're saying, you know, and I could relate to that as well. Like, who was I looking at? I was looking at Mickey Mouse Club and Britney and Christina and, 
you know, JLo and Selena and, you know, it's really media, right. That's feeding artists, you know, whether it's the musicians or actors, actresses, um, or I guess at that moment, those teen, what are those teen magazines, like teen bop, whoever's on the cover of those, like, you know, <laughs> sitcoms or that, that oh, yeah. perfect, you know, I think like Boy Meets Girl and like Topanga or whatever that actress was. And she had that yes. blown out, oh, like nineties hair. Her hair was the mm. shit, though. Her hair yeah. was the shit. I was like, is Topanga black? Like, she's got to be black. <laughs> that, like, her hair has, like, or Latina, for sure. Because she's, like, got this, like, cur- like, I feel like her hair is actually super naturally curly. Because you don't get that fluffy a blowout with some, like, text without some, like, texture, texture in there. Or, like, some serious product. Like, everybody used to want to, like, when you brought up the Rachel, for example, like, everybody wanted that style and everybody was like let me get this like oh i've got straight hair i can get this cut and i don't have to style it and i'm just gonna look like this and it was like nah actually jennifer aniston has some very very curly hair and used to get straightening treatments or blowouts and that's how she got that like that ugh, that like 90s fluff that everybody seems to be trying to get come trying to make that come back and topanga was like her hair was always it. It was always it. Even she even made butterfly clips not look so terrible to me. Agree. Yeah, the butterfly clips, all those little, or what was that zigzag little um, hairband? Do you remember that little <laughs> elastic thing? Oh, yes. That, I don't know what that was called or the topsy tail. I feel like it was the era of like all the gimmicks and the butterfly clips. Oh, yeah. I definitely, and even have a prom picture of these little twist in crystals that were like oh, Claire's, yeah. Claire's Mall special. Oh, yeah. You know, twist them in, let them flow through, or some like little foil strands, like that you tape in. <laughs> oh yeah, Just, oh yeah. I fun. can remember multiple proms, like prom kids coming in and being like, because like especially when I was in beauty school, like I wasn't that far removed at the time. So like when kids were coming in, like kids that had gone to high school, I'd gone to high school with who like they were in, they were freshmen, and and now they were like coming to get as seniors they were coming to get their hair done with me and so yeah there was a lot of like little adornments to the hair on the regular like your hair was boring if it didn't have some bling in it but um it's so interesting because that now i'm like huh that's what we thought was adult and now prom hair is like looking like you're coming from the oscars and shit Mm. and that is bonkers to me like it is so different i mean and in some ways it's more simple in some ways it's more tailored in some ways it's more you know like maybe more of like an accurate reflection but in some ways it feels so grown up and not like that trying and, and experimenting and i think that like maybe there's some really great value to the fact that like we like I definitely can look back and be like man them beauty standards really fucked us up but like also there's some value in the fact that we got to explore so many different styles and we got to fail at so many different styles because we didn't have YouTube telling us how to do it right if you had like a makeup artist or a hairdresser in your life that was one thing you 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 could you had a your learning curve was a little different but like there was so many of us doing some just some dumb weird stuff to yes. try to like look like those people in the in the magazines or on TV or in movies or our, our musician you know crushes and that type of thing because we really did want like to 
to to look like, I mean, soul to soul. That was like another like late eighties, early nineties, like band that they were very Afrocentric. It was like one of the first times that I'd seen like box braids on like a musician. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a hood rat, you know, like mm-hmm. she was like just a different, she had like a different edge to her. It was really like, so so like that so kind of like what we're seeing today with like a lot of you know a lot of the natural hair movement and talking about protective styles and like speaking about like the history about them and i just i remember what was that song like in 1989 maybe 1989 1988 keep on moving and i promise you i was like look at all these beautiful black people oh my god look at all these beautiful black people and they're wearing all these different colors and and, like african inspired and like that was so intriguing and so inspiring to me and it was like huh something that is not american i mean it is to a point because but like something that is very afro inspired like it just like it it, it's like almost like these things just found their way into my life and really like helped shape all of the different like iterations whether it was like punk mahogany grunge mahogany like you know hip-hop mahogany you know like all like all the little like subcategories because like you said we've got to explore all of those things instead of just like being like how to do a cat eye you know right it in and then bam here's like seventy five thousand different ways to do a cat eye and like great but now everybody can do a perfect cat eye so you never get that like opportunity of being like yo I had to figure this out and like failing (laughs) failure teaches a lot. (laughs) It sure does. Um, I felt like when I was growing up, um, there was this, um, had these different parts of like my adolescence that I felt like I kept separately, like very compartmentalized. And like, like you talked about, and we've talked about at length, you know, assimilation and, you know, being the child of, you know, an immigrant family. And there's this subculture term. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's very South Florida, but it's called uh, Chonga, Chonga culture, C-H-O-N-G-A. And on the West coast, it's the, the sister term is Chola. C-H-O-L-O. So that's okay. I'm familiar with Chola. Yes, yes. Yeah. So they're, you know, sister uh, subcultures, but, you know, I grew up pretty, you know, working class, middle class, went to public schools, um, you know, again, trying, my family really trying to, you know, chase that American dream and um, going to a predominantly, you know, black school and just a lot of urban culture surrounded by a lot of urban culture. You know, um, I'm thinking about, um, you know, two live crew and uncle Luke, very influential, you know, I was a dancer. So like that, you know, yes, I did ballet and had my hair slicked back and classical music, you know, that I was surrounded by. But what really interests me was that Miami culture, the Chonga culture, two life crew, like booty shaking. I mean, junior high, like all our dance parties where everyone's just like in little shorts and crop tops. And yes, we're 12, 13, like probably too young to, you know, be shaking all our body parts at school dances. And, you know, like, but again, like, that's what we, you know, when you're at that age, you're really looking at, you know, those older, those, those high school kids or those adults and emulating the music videos or what you're hearing on the radio. Um, but it was really, I think back and of these different compartments, like, yes, at one time I'm listening to classical music, practicing for my little ballet routine and my slick back bun, my pink tights. The other moment is, you know, 
um, words if, if in songs from Two Live Crew that I probably won't mention right now, but there's a lot of female body parts being mentioned, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And then I had this other aspect, you know, kind of the sporty side of me. Like I played golf growing up. So here I am like trying to hide my awful farmer's tan because of course, like sunscreen knowledge wasn't really a thing. I think back in the nineties where you just went outside. Um, So I had these bizarre, you know, V-neck tinned, the short sleeve, like pale ankles. And the rest of me was pretty Brown. And I just remember just trying to like, just, I kept those those three parts of my life really separate. I wouldn't tell my friends about like, I play golf and here's my weird tan. I would put like bronzer on if it was like the junior high dance or, you know, something where I'd wear either, you know, V-neck or, you know, slinky dress or something. And I've got this like pale shoulder and like permanent V-neck tan hiding that part of me really was, you know, the ballet side of it was like, okay, that's just something that I grew up doing. I felt like five years old put in ballet and I always did like to dance. Um, but what I really enjoyed was like, I think back of those memories, it's just a bunch of kids, you know, I don't know, just exploring who they are. And yes, that like, almost like that first part of like, you know, understanding what it is to be, you know, like feeling sexy. And, and yes, some of the <laughs> music was really raunchy, but I guess in the Miami terms, you know, that chonga culture, which really meant like, you know, you had a gold nameplate or your, you know, your name in your gold hoop earrings, dark lip liner, slick back hair. There was a whole like Chinese slipper moment. You wore this, those little Chinese slippers. I don't know if you've ever seen these yep. before, but yeah. And it was just like, and you could see like, you know, your parents were probably like, no, that's not where we, that's not the vision we have for you. Right. Like it is to, <laughs> to, you know, kind of like rise up these like social ladders, but That's really, you know, like, I don't know. I think about those like wonderful memories of just, um, you know, just being around friends and yes, like booty shaking. Like we were, you know, scrubbing the ground. That's that's what we did with our (laughs) hair and our dark (laughs) lip liner. And yeah, those are good times, you know, lots, lots of Uncle Luke and two life crew. Yes. Yes. Yep. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Um, and you are like inspiring my junior high like feelings right now like in a big way I remember the very first junior high dance that we went to I was in seventh grade it was my very first like dance right and um I mean when we walked in it was like me and my nerd crew right just like hanging out doing our thing like not sure what we were doing I couldn't tell no I can't tell you what I was wearing I was wearing a jean skirt a denim pencil skirt yeah, with a slit up the back and like, oh, yeah. like a little peasant top of some sort, right? So um, I couldn't tell you what my hair looked like that day, though. It was probably in box braids or at the time we called them dookie braids because they were big, you know, so we call them dookie braids. Um, and I remember coming into the to the gym or no, the cafeteria. It was in the cafeteria because we didn't really have a gym. Same. Um, but it was huge and it had a stage and it had like all those things. So we were in there and it was like super dark. And you know, the, the dance was like a lot of pop music right away. Then there was like a little rock segment, then there was a little hip hop segment, and then it started to slow down and get into like some R and B. And that's when like the dirty dancing, as they called it back in the day, <laughs> the grinding and whining came out. And I was like, 
there were these eighth grade girls who were like getting it. And I was like, what is happening? But it wasn't just like the way they move their bodies. It was their hair. It was their clothes. Yes. It was their confidence. And I was like, ladies, I need to know how y'all do this. And because I love talking to people, um, and I don't really know a stranger like in real life. Like, I, I, I mean, I'm getting I, I, I do now know a stranger at the time. I did not know strangers. Like, I would walk up to these girls and be like, tell me about your hair. Like, how do you do this? And they were they were like this busted child, like has no clue because I'm sure if my hair was straightened at all, um, it was probably like kind of puffy. Um, if it was curly, I was probably getting shit for it because I probably didn't have enough like jerry curl juice or whatever um in it and then if it was braided more than likely i a lot of flack from a lot of black girls about my hair in particular so when i would ask questions i would just get shit from a lot of them because they didn't know me they were like whatever young like seventh grader so i was a sevy first of all second of all i was coming at them busted hair and then third of all i was like coming at them super thirsty and anxious so like these girls had no time for me <laughs> Like no time, and they made fun of me. Like they, they definitely were like not until my friend Mila started uh, talking to me a little bit more about my hair, and then Latoya came in, and then all of a sudden it was like I was accepted by these two girls, and they legit like taught me how to press my hair properly. They taught me how like shampooing and blow drying is like a step before you process or before you press your hair out. I mean, it was such a cool thing. And then Mila really taught me how to like braid my hair properly. So that was, you know, it was just such a great experience to have these like women. Um, I watched that show mixed ish on NBC, that Tracy Ellis Ross show. Um, well, hers is blackish, but I mean, mixed dishes about her character and um so they talk about just like you know this mixed girl who's like lived on a commune and now she's going into middle school and that's totally how i felt like not that i lived on a commune but you know sometimes living in northern minnesota can make you feel like you're living on a commune. <laughs> um so you know like it just it was definitely something that i that i really that that first episode when they go to school and it's like how do you pick how do you pick where you're supposed to sit you don't have any reference for like black culture you don't have any reference for white culture you don't have any reference for like any culture outside of like what your home has given you. And then you're presented with this cafeteria full of ideas and like identities to like partake in. And as a mixed person, and when you've been told like, you're both, you're all, you can do all the things. Like you just kind of go to where you think you're going to be the most comfortable. And I remember like immediately like trying to find black friends and them being like, no. And me being like, but why though? I'm awesome. I swear. I'm really nice. But once I got that, like, it, it, I, but looking at me, I look like a geeky nerd. Like there was no way that anybody was going to try to hang out with me. So the nerds took me in, which I appreciated. Um, and, but eventually I did end up being able to like branch into other, into other sub, you know, subsections, sub genres of people. And <clears throat> the acceptance of black women was really important to me. Like that really was like something that, um, very early on when my exposure was a little, a lot higher, cause similar to you, I got bust into a school, but I got bust into an all white school mostly. Mm -hmm. So there was like several, you know, several of us that were kind of intermixed throughout the schools, 
But then, yeah, like it wasn't until I was in seventh and eighth grade that there was like a significant population of brown and black students in my school. And so when that happened, I was just like, bonkers, like, this is so exciting. I'm so excited. But I came in hot and thirsty, like I said. So it was kind of a, it was a bumpy entry into uh, understanding my hair from a different perspective, because I'd already had this, you know, mom who was like, not sure and didn't have great resources. And then we, my hairdresser, Denise, amazing woman, bomb hairdresser, like she could get my hair really straight. She just couldn't teach me how to do it. Right. And so that was a challenge for me, but like, it was really interesting because I had these like influences, but it wasn't until I got that like black girl magic, that like, honest to God, like handed down generation to generation that I really started to understand, like that my hair is not a problem, that my hair is actually like really, really, really amazing. Like it can do all these different things. Like it defies gravity. It can be curly, wavy, straight, everything in between. Like it can, you know, be styled and colored and to create shapes. And, and I mean, it's just, there's so, there's so much joy in, in black hair that like we, because of our assimilation, we were like taught to not love that. And that beauty standard that was like put in place for all people Mm -hmm. was like really centered around, you know, European whiteness, like very much like European whiteness. And it kind of left all of us, you know, you know, chasing this. Yeah. 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 We were all just like chasing this this unrealistic and just, you know, or just, I think it's like you said, the authenticity is missing. It's just like, there was just one note of beauty standards. Right. And yeah. I think we've come, you know, made some strides as people, but I think there's still a long way to go. But to your point, you know, when I think back of those like junior high, high school years, there was no one really embracing their natural texture. There was really no one. Like I don't, I don't can't think of anyone that I was surrounded with and, you know, wide variety of different cultures. It was all like, I mean, I mean, I wish I had the data to support this, but I'm thinking that was probably the golden years of flat irons of like really just like, Oh yeah. Just smushing and just flattening. And I remember so many like mall kiosks and it was just all, like you said, like to emulate like European um, stick straight, smooth, shiny, you know, just one type of texture, one type of style. Um, and there was just, you know, really just no, you know, cause even I would say like having a little bit of texture, you know, there was, nothing was ever fed to me in those like high school junior high high school years to say like oh, I should wear my hair naturally curly or let it you know um take on its natural no it was all about like fighting nature it was just like my number one stressor was with whether my hair was going to curl up or my bangs were going to get frizzy or it was just like you had to like obsessively maintain that and it was when I look at the pictures and even I think about eyebrow trends similarly like they're very thin but you know again like removing of hair manipulating hair it's just like Uh you're taking so much out right rather than enhancing I think that's the biggest learning I've had in the last few years of oh like it's just like take this off and take that like make and you're just going against the grain versus like let's enhance what we've naturally been given and to me that's what's beautiful is just making enhancements not doing this like forced almost like this like hostile takeover of like what we were given like annihilate our hair annihilate our eyebrows (laughs) it's just not you know it's not it 
you know, but we didn't know any better. That's, that was the norm. Oh my God. You just like hit the nail on the head. Like the, the idea of like, you know, removal and manipulation rather than like enhancing, like that is, Oh, Marcy, you just said that you just said all that. That is so real. And like, I think that to me, when, when you think about those, those things, you like, you want to know like, why? right? Like, why? why are those our beauty standards? Where did that beauty standard come from? And like, I'm really excited because I feel like that's something that we can, we can dive into is just like that history of beauty standards. I think that'll be really a good time to, uh, to like, whoo, we can, we can dissect and, and put our nerdy selves to, to, to oh, like yes. good work on this. I'm very excited about that. Maybe we do like a closing question on, you know, maybe your, your favorite look from your adolescence or growing up and something that you would be down to recreate. I got a positive. I don't know. I, okay. I love that. If you have something, Marcy, I would love for you to begin <laughs> with that. Like, so the question is, is, um, what hairstyle from your life would you recreate today and like fully stand by it? Um, I would say, I think this was like my later, maybe like eighth grade kind of started to figure out, you know, get it a little better with styling my hair. And I feel like I do have a picture. I'll, I'll look it up and send it to you that documents this. And it was, I think eighth grade, you know, dance or one of those, like, you know, the photographer came into the school. So you had to, you know, make sure you had your, you know, outfit from rave or five, seven, nine or whatever the, <laughs> the stores were from the era. Um, but it was kind of like this half up, half down with the little tendrils, like the two little pieces up front, the little half pony. I felt like it was just sweet and cute, a little sexy. Um, but yeah, I think that's when I stand by and I st and now I see this look definitely, definitely here, you know, in LA and Melrose, I, I see the girls with their hair like that. And I, I felt like that was, you know, had a good day that day. I think the blow dryer and the round brush and the flat iron were kind to me. And, you know, I, I'd stand by that one. <laughs> I love that. I love it. You're like, I had to get all these things together to make that happen, but I'm going to stand by it because that was hard work. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I definitely, I mean, this is not going to come as any surprise to you whatsoever, but like I stand by box braids, y'all. Box braids yes. are not only timeless, but they are like, they, they are truly like the, the getting box braids, like whether you're putting them in yourself and like caring for your hair or you are going in and, and sitting down and having a stylist, like care for your hair in that way. Like box braids are hot. They always look good. No matter whether they're small, medium, large jumbo dookie braid, the whole nine, like they always, always, always look good. Like I'm such a fan, no matter how many different ways I wear my hair, my natural hair, or I wear you know, um, with no matter what type of like protective styles I'm wearing, I always go back to the box braids. Like it is just, it is, it is my natural state of being because I really love, I just, I love how they look and they are such a classic look. And at the time I did a very similar thing. Like, so what we would do though, is we would do like everything underneath the occipital to like just below your shoulder. And then you would do everything above your occipital. You would do that longer so that when you put it up in the high pony, it was the same length mm. as the, as the, 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 the perimeter. So then you just like, you had one full look. It was very, um, sister soldier. It was very yo-yo. It was very like, you know, um, 
uh, oh my God, my brain is shutting down. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Poetic justice. Well, it was yeah, very it's poetic justice. So definitely like that for me is like, I'll stand by that. That was hot like, stuff. Iconic. Absolutely iconic. And I think it's, you know, test of time. And I think it's a gorgeous look and, you know, it's something that I feel like has been appropriated quite a bit. So to me, that always <laughs> says that people are interested in the look, whether like, look, we'll leave it at that. It's not that we, you know, like whether or not it's right. You know, that's a whole other discussion. But to me, that's always a signal when people copycat or start, you know, emulating looks that may not be from their, you know, culture or their, um, you know, community that it, it's, it's catching attention. Let's say it's definitely catching someone's attention and wanting to emulate and, and duplicate. So, you know, is it, um, what is that word? Uh, or it's expression that says, you know, um, the biggest form of flattery, right. Is someone, someone Mm -hmm. imitation, imitation. So, I don't know. That's one that I always do think about, you know, certain um, celebs that, you know, have definitely been in the headlines for, you know, choosing box rates. Like, and I like Gwen Stefani. That's the thing. Like, I like her music. I ain't mad at her, but I was like, at least she, and, and I'll give her this, she appropriates everybody's culture. She's not just like, I, I'm yeah. only about like, it's like Harajuku, it's like Chola, it's like, you know, like uh, black, like it's like the all music. of it. Yeah, yeah, she definitely, she's not fussy. She's a woman of the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you brought up the A word appropriation and I'm, I'm here for it. Like, I definitely mm-hmm. think that's a conversation that we will continue to have. I'm she, it's like laced in all of our conversations, but I think that, mm-hmm. that maybe is one we should figure out. Um, I also think that, while we are talking about like our best of our childhood, I do think it might not be a bad idea for us to like, and find pictures of us with those pictures. But I also think it might be kind of fun to answer. So Marcy, like what's the hairstyle you're most like regretful about? And do you have a picture? (laughs) (laughs) A regretful, probably, I don't think I had much of a choice. I was probably too young to pick my hairstyles, but there's definitely some family photos, uh, probably elementary school. So early, early nineties, maybe late eighties and, you know, kind of like the front mullet situation, you know, like, I don't know what you call it, like the bangs and then the part that goes up and then the really long hair. So I've definitely got yes. this like patchwork sweater in this picture, probably, I don't know, younger than fifth grade. And yeah. it's just that, like the mullet front is just, mm-hmm. yeah. That's with the long hair. Yeah. It's a tough one. That's tough. No, I, mine is similar. Um, but, but, but definitely it includes that weird sort of like face frame, but like, it's like, you're just like reconstructing like the way that your head is shaped in some weird ways. So mine was definitely like, just it was it's a um well (laughs) it's like a bob and a fro all at the same time and it was I had convinced my stylist to uh, cut my hair um sir like a la salt and pepper so like very short on the sides and like really long or longish bob length on the on the other side and so like we all know classic salt and pepper but they had like 
beautiful press outs. Like they're, 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 they were bumped. They were pressed. They were in line or they were wearing it naturally curly. Like Peppa used to wear her hair just a little more curly, a little more wavy style. So I tried to like do all of that, I think. And that's where that got messed up. And, and the best part was that my mom and I had family photos to do that that week. And so I had to turn to the side so that you couldn't really see that perhaps I just had it tucked behind my ear, maybe. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that was regretful, but also close runner up. I had a Jerry curl, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> Again, too young to be making my own choices necessarily, but I sure, surely, surely, surely did have myself a full on curl activator, Jerry curl juice, having Jerry curl. <laughs> sure did. And there are pictures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's almost like a mullet too like so it's oh, like up here yeah. let, I tuck behind my ears and just like a little bit of fro like in the, but we called it a shag back then because because mm. mm-hmm. we were trying to because it was the 80s that's why <laughs> anything 80s yes it was definitely you know an era uh, very notable with styles right like cannot like there's no question when you see an 80s hairstyle and yeah I mean I I guess I was a little too young I was born in 83 but did I guess my looking back I would guess was it like the hair bands that influence like that heavy hairspray tease oh yeah yeah Oh, yeah. I mean, and it was like showing up in every American culture, too. Like, it wasn't just like, you know, like white people hair bands doing it. I mean, like Whitney Houston was doing it. Like, there was so much big hair and so much teased hair. And so, like, I even watched that video because Whitney is like my jam for always. And I love her so much. Um, But I want to dance with somebody. She has like two different wigs on in one, like, like they're placed together in this like two tone, two textured sort of situation. But she's got like the bangs and then the poof and then the long, it like looks like a mullet. And then she actually does have like, like a mullet cut where it's like, again, kind of that like prince curly in the front, big um, but then cut up on the sides and then yeah. a little more bobbed in the back and with a little more length around the shoulders. I mean, shoot. I feel like we should also create mood boards for all of these too, like just to like yeah. make people laugh. <laughs> yes. Time, the eras through hair. It's, yeah, there's quite a bit there on very big shifts, right? Because you think about that compared to like 90s and that. I mean, gosh, like that was a, such a specific style and yes um i don't know if we've hit anything i think at least in the time i've been alive that's like so specific and like so so committed right because i was like such a look that it's you know i don't know like we talked about like touchable and movement like that really wasn't about that right it was just creating this like texture um yeah that's yeah and texture that you couldn't touch and you couldn't let touch anything Cause you would just like jack up car seats. You check, like, I very, very much remember being a kid being on the bus to school and like, you know, I wasn't ready to be up yet. So I'd be like putting my head against the window and then there'd be like the mark, right? Like the <laughs> mark from my hair on the window and it was greasy. And it's not like you could be like, Oh, with your jacket, like real quick, wipe it off. It would just make it worse. And you're like, Oh, cool. I'm here and I'm doing, I'm already so embarrassed and now I'm making it worse. And now everybody's like, what are you doing? Magni? And why? And girl, oh my God, 
out and you're like, shit, I just got to get out of here. Yeah, no, it was the worst. It would wreck your jackets. Like, I mean, it was so dumb. Yeah, it was so dumb. And I did some research on a jerry curl once on like why the jerry curl. Um, and at the time that the jerry curl was like starting to pop off, it, like people like the black hair, the black hair movement, the, the black natural hair movement had taken such a hold on so many com- communities in like the late 70s, like the during like civil rights and then like into the 70s and and then even into the 80s that like black people just weren't spending enough money on product for the beauty industry Mm -hmm. so that's why they dropped it because it was a whole process that you could do in salon and then you had very specific products that you needed to keep up on in order to maintain that style so it was a way to bring black folks into the salon which was in some ways kind of cool because it was like okay we want to like we want to engage we want to but again it, it 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 created this like beauty standard that like took their took our natural hair and like shifted the texture to make it something that like non-black people had naturally it was really it was like and some obviously some black people and mixed race folks too but like it was really it, it just like it took that kinky coily tight texture and loosened it up to make it easier. And I'm, you can't see me, obviously, but I'm using air quotes, like to make it easier to style, but like really, truly what it was also doing was it was, you know, creating a space for question about why does your, why can't we just learn how to take care of this kinky, curly gorgeousness instead of making it more manageable. So it's again, we're removing something rather than enhancing something. Marcy, you so smart. (laughs) That's it. That was so good. I love it. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to For All Hair Types. We hope you enjoyed this episode and be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to support the show, please consider leaving us a rating and review or even sending it to a friend. Follow us on Instagram at For All Hair Types Pod. Do you have a hair story you'd like to share? Send it on over to forallhairtypespodcast at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram. You can even leave us a voicemail at forallhairtypes.com. See you next time. For All Hair Types is created by Mahogany Plouts and Marcy Miguel Richards, produced by Taylor Lane.